Hello everyone and welcome back to A Pint With Peter, an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where I sit down with my dad and try to bridge the intergenerational gap. Now we finished last week's episode with my dad and Chris nerding out over sound design, something else that just goes completely over my head. But this week we will be continuing our chat on my dad's journey through the world of music as he was growing up. Now before we get back to it, just a bit of a pre-warning with this episode. Near the end, you're going to start hearing like a staticky noise. This isn't your headphones, so don't worry. It's not really our audio. It is my mum deciding to crack on with cooking. We don't record in a snazzy studio, just around the kitchen table. And despite me and Chris frantically waving, she likes to crack on. Now, you might not know this, but we have set up a way where you can support the podcast with a small donation. A link to that is in the description of this episode and also on our Twitter. And with that shameless plug out of the way, let's get back to it. Have you ever seen a gig in a pub, by the way? Because because yeah. all these sm- all these smaller venues kind of went by the by as, as bands got bigger. Well, we've definitely had mates who played in bands. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte probably yeah. played yeah. in the odd pub. In the odd pub, yeah. Yeah, probably seen like really small bands. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, we used to um, go all around the Midlands, and my, my favourite band at the time, you can check them out, were called Savoy Brown Blues Band, and it shows how simplistic and how basic bands were back in those days because as I said in my last podcast you basically played on bare boards there were no lights or anything and uh, I remember watching Savoy Brown and uh, you, you heard the they were still behind the curtain and they played the bass notes of this very popular song at the time and then the curtain very gradually pulled back <laughs> and, the, and then they stomped into the song and you were kind of turned on because one of the lead guitarists had what was called a V-shaped guitar, mm-hmm. and you—I mean, you, I mean—you could have a whole episode on on guitars um, because it was the era of the guitar music, isn't it? It's white boy guitar music is the big thing. So um, I never played myself, but I remember some some kids would really be into watching the fingers moving on the fretboard, and they'd get into oh, it's a Gibson. Or it's a Stratocaster or blah, blah. I don't know, sad in, in a way, eerie. Did, did you have friends like that who would really care, even though perhaps they didn't play themselves, they'd really carefully watch the player, you know, be it a drummer or a bassist? Or, yeah, I don't no, so. yeah. Because, because it was the era of the guitar hero. So I remember watching Pete Green playing who was a fantastic guitarist and he, he had you in raptures. I've never seen Jeff Beck and I was chatting to somebody the other day, one of the festivals uh, I went to was uh, a free festival in Hyde Park mm. and uh, they had um, a super group called Blind Faith which were basically three virtuoso players and of course the main one was Eric Clapton so if you're into into guitar players, you know the fact that you, you saw Clapton in his heyday was absolutely fantastic. But another band, funnily enough, uh, I might have mentioned it before. I, I've seen in in a pub quite a few times. Um, I might have mentioned it before because there's a big estate where I come from where you had overspill. So when Birmingham was being kind of redesigned in the late sixties and early seventies, um, there was a massive public housing 
estate and you, you had a lot of people moving in from you know the Birmingham and Wolverhampton yeah. area that's why in, in my football watching watching uh, days you had coaches that wouldn't just go to Stoke City you you had fully packed coaches going to watch Villa or West Brom so I grew up with quite a, quite, an, quite an eclectic football knowledge as well but um, I, I reckon it must have been a direct connection. I, I used to go and what, what became Black Sabbath. They were called Earth back in those days. And they basically played, as most bands did, uh, a, rap, a blues repertoire. They just went through, you know, Ride My Pony and all, all those classics. And um, do you like Black Sabbath? I, you must know who they are. Yeah, I definitely know who they, I were. they are. I will admit, I was never... You know, my friend Jack was always a fan of them. Really? Yeah. I never really touched upon them. But um, if, I mean, again, it's it's boilerplate. You know, if you, if you get any anything about uh, Black Sabbath, their moment, their kind of road to Damascus. They they were coming out of a gig, and one of them saw a poster for some kind of schlocky horror movie. Yeah. And the movie, a movie I think was called Black Sabbath. You know, you can imagine yeah. it, can't you? Like a hammer. And then they had the idea of actually playing music that would have that kind of horror, dark undercurrent. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know the Black Sabbath, the first, uh, the eponymous, the first album? Yes. You know yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a picture. Yeah, probably. It's basically a picture of this kind of gothy-looking woman standing in the middle of a wood. I think it yeah. is, like a little castle, or or something behind. But those guys, I mean, this again is is the rise and rise of the pop industry. Those guys went from playing the Staffordshire Yeoman, the pub was called, to probably all their mates who moved from Birmingham to mega stardom really particularly in the states i mean ozzy osbourne it, it you know was and is bloody massive yeah i mean he, i mean he even had a bloody reality show yeah you know what i always think about i remember ozzy osbourne fronting the band uh, at the pub and uh, if you go back to i don't know podcast 17 or whatever do you remember my brief dalliance with uh, howard marks yes well, his girlfriend, who I don't think I used the proper name, did I? No, you I called, we, we did. Yeah, I called them the Streets, I think, did. didn't I? Did. Well, the Streets, if you remember, lived in a designer house mm-hmm. on top of the hill with a swimming pool, with you know Picasso's in the kitchen, with a Bentley with a cocktail cabinet in the garage... And they had, I'm, I'm giving you a bit of a context here, they had a psychedelic playroom. So this playroom had, um, you know, a table tennis in it and, and cushion, cushions. People were into cushions in those days. I do love a good cushion. Oh, yeah. Funnily enough. <laughs> and the whole room was decorated with kind of, in, you know, psychedelic designs. Can you see that lady on that poster there playing the sitar with the long flowing robes? Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it. So it was all kind of psychedelic colours. I guess it would have been the 70s. I mean, the, the Black Sabbath did so well. The guitarist in, in Black Sabbath actually bought that house. Really? That's where he lived. So, you know, you, you, you went from, if you were lucky, being in a comma van munching on your mum's egg and cress sandwiches and playing in the Staffordshire Yeoman, probably for a, a tenner each, if you were lucky, to 
owning a house that previously would have been owned by you know a senior <laughs> company executive of a leading company. I mean, that's the attraction. Yeah. Yeah, that is the attraction. Uh, you know, as a young person, young impressionable person, you're thinking, wow, you, you get the adulation. You get the money if you're lucky. You get the drugs. You get the women. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the Beatles obviously broke uh, America, didn't they? And the Stones a little bit later. Obviously, if, if you could get to play in the States, I mean, the sky was the limit. Because I, I think the market in the States is, uh, I don't know, maybe hundreds of times greater than in the UK. And the, the other band I used to watch, I'll have to mention them because of Andy, because Andy used to know them quite, quite well. They were called the Climate. Chicago Blues Band. They had a residency in a pub in, in Tunstall, that's in Stoke, and uh, it shows how things change because we used to dutifully. You, you, did you guys have a band that you followed on a kind of regular basis? You went to see them every time they played? I thought you liked the Dropkick Murphys. Uh, no, it was Floggy Molly for me. Uh, every time they were in Manchester, me and Charlotte would meet shorts to go. If they were playing a festival, we'd always go. Did you? Yeah. Why I mention Climax Chicago is we got bored with it because they played really, really very competently. They played blues music. They played classic blues songs. And I remember standing there at the bar. It was possibly with Ollie, who I've mentioned before. And uh, I think he said to me, oh, it's a fucking bored and blues band again, isn't it? And, and we moved on. And during that era, that's what happened. I was going to mention to you, one of the first things I was going to mention was, um, is music, or the music I watched, parasitical? In other words, you know, bands like The Stones, their, their first album would have been blues songs, none of which were their own. But what happened was, the, the, the more canny bands actually took the blues and took other musical styles, and it mutated into a particular brand that really, really sold. And you had the rise and rise of the rock musician. He, he with me. It's hard for you to understand if you weren't there, but it, but it changed overnight. And I, I think what you've got to hammer home is it wasn't what's now called cultural appropriation, where you, where you take ideas from another culture and basically rip them off. It wasn't like that at all. Those guys had an amazing... It was usually guys, by the way. They had an amazing uh, respect for the musicians and the music, and they did a lot to actually promote these guys. And uh, you had a lot of blues musicians, for example, who would come over here and play uh, you know, alongside the Stones or, or whatever. The other big thing, which you guys must remember, a lot of the original bands I saw would have been at the Art College, at the Polytechnic, you know, you'd take your student union card along. Did, did you watch any gigs at colleges? Yeah, I, felt, I mean, I've mentioned it probably 10 million times on this podcast. It's, I don't know if you were there, Chris, but I saw Bastille. Wow. In Wrexham. No, I'm bitter about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because our mate Sean, Sean, Sean was supporting them. And Johnny, who I lived with, was doing, the, he was the sound engineer. Play. I remember just being sat at the bar chatting with my mates and, you know, Bastille probably had... Looks, I really like Bastille. Yeah, probably had ten people watching them. And it's like you said, Dad. So wow. I mean, I've, like, I've got, I think, all of Bastille's vinyl, actually. Oh, do you? And it, like, because I've got some of, quite a lot of them assigned. And it's, I, I did a 
a web like on a website where you put all your collection into and see how much it's worth. It's worth pretty penny. Yeah. Because some of them like really quite rare print, like original prints of like the vinyl white before they were big and signed as well. So I'm, I'm very conscious here. I still haven't spoken about mothers, have I? No. We well, might do a special on mothers. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, go- I'm going to start it well, off. It can do special. Uh, I'm going to start it off tonight. I mean, I've got so much to tell you about. I mean, I, I was going to talk to you about the drugs, the drugs of choice. It was up as down as hash and acid mainly but do you want me to go into go into that in in greater detail later it's up to you how much detail do you want to go into oh well i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna talk about mothers Uh, i've got a picture here Mm. of mothers can you see that that's about that's a picture taken around the time mother's club i think began in 68 and i think it finished in 72 and I mean, again, it's boilerplate stuff. It's you can find it all this shit on Wikipedia, but um, it uh, briefly was the main venue in the world. It's uh, it's well known, for example, for Pink Floyd actually recorded part of Amagama there. I think okay. I'm right in saying. I mean, just going back to college stuff. I I saw a very early Pink Floyd gig at the Imperial College. In London, I had a I had an Indian friend called Raj, and he invited me over, and it was good, good even then, because they were playing something that nobody else was. And the other thing, if you're interested in the technology of it, they had a light show. They had a very very early light show. I think I think the light people, they're a really big company now. They're called Hypognosis, H I P G Gnosis, Hypognosis. They're a big company now, and the light shows back then. You you had a, a projector, and you basically had oil on a slide. So you had this wonderful, like a lava lamp effect. You know, oh, an early effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lava I lamp. feel like you see it more in, in art galleries yeah. now yeah. than anything. But the Mother's Club was in um, a part of Birmingham called Erdington. It was it was um, a suburb of Birmingham, and you know, 30, 40 miles from from where I lived. And uh, back then, I don't I don't know what it's like now. It was really um, I'd like to tell you it was really kind of edgy and dangerous because much much later I used to go into Hume and places like that and Moss Side, and I, I've been to blues clubs and um, you know places that are notionally much more dangerous but it was very safe you could park up and everything so amazingly mother's club i've just described this picture it was above what had previously been like a lot of these clubs a ballroom so if you speak to anybody who's much much older than me a lot of these clubs were situated in 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 uh, what would have been palais de danse you know ballrooms and uh where people would have gone to, you know, do the traditional dancing and then probably would have had a rock and roll thing. And you had um, the furniture shop, the famous furniture shop here. And next to the furniture shop, you had a gentleman's outfitters. Do you guys remember gentlemen's outfitters? And and this this one was called Brooks Brothers. Yeah, Brooks Brothers. And here, this is the clincher. There's a shop there next to it. That's called the Erdington Meat Company. Yeah? And the Mother's Club, you went down an alley here. You went down this alley here. And then you went up 
what what looked like a fire escape and you went into the actual club you know somebody would obviously take your tickets and uh, it could be apocryphal it I, I heard it described as a meat packing warehouse you with me yeah. so that 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 butchers they probably packed up all the sausages and uh, funnily enough I was reading uh, an article the other day about Morrissey you know Morrissey I mean, that gig would not have been any good for Morrissey. Can you guess why? Well, he's vegetarian. Yeah, he's Morrissey has actually walked, you know, certainly one place, he actually walked out. I don't know about you, Chris, but with Dad mentioning the Mothers Club over and over again, once again, the intergenerational gap, I was pitching somewhere like Factory, Fifth Ave, you know, where a whole building is dedicated to this yeah. this club. I was, yeah, I kind of was, but in my head, I kind of had it as something that used to be something else beforehand. Thinking, if you remember Liquid and being Wrexham, yeah, that was clearly like a ballroom before. Dancehall, yeah, you know, basically yeah, dancehall. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the international club uh, that I'll come on to later was an Irish mm. place, you know, where they had Irish folk music. So what what you found back in my era was you, you wouldn't have a club exclusively given over to pop and rock music you probably would have an event night you with me it would be described mm. as a blues evening but what you find with with the mothers as the popularity for that kind of music grew and the hippie numbers swelled business you know the entrepreneurs who, who run the place decided to pounce on, on the possibility of cashing in you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All, 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 it, it seems to be true of every era. So at first you had the kind of blues nights or so-called alternative nights where they would take away the dress restrictions. The big thing when I was a kid, the determining factor was denim. If you had anything denim on, you wouldn't get in. These days it's football shirts, isn't it? Uh, oh, right, okay. oh yeah, if you have a football shirt, football you won't get in. And the other thing was, you know, in what would have been called the straight clubs or the straight gigs back in there, there were no trainers. Yeah, that's so that so that, that must go back fifty years. I never know where it stands on trainers these days because some trainers, you know, like you know what I mean, like you, some people buy trainers, like yeah. out in like they don't go running them or whatever. They buy them and they're like pristine. I mean, so I one time I almost got rejected from a club just because my trainers looked naff. <laughs> like the, just because they, they look so like it's yeah. so you. They look so dirty, so worn. The guy was just like, "She's a shit." And Which like, club was this? What's that tiki bar called? By Crazy Pedro's. Yeah, no trouble. Is that that night out we had? Yeah, I don't. That big night out. No, no, it was, yeah. it was another night. I had to to debate with the bouncer just to get in. I do remember that yeah. though. Yeah. You just you not being there for some time. Yeah, because I was shoot. debating with a bouncer yeah. about my shoes. Yeah. Different era. I mean, I was chatting to a bloke the other day, and he he remembers a, a really grotty nightclub uh, around the Stockport area called Quaffers. Quaffers. And and again, it was run by uh, basically a criminal family called called the Floods. And the flood, the, yeah, the iconography of gangsterism in in the northwest. The Floods actually went. You know, Victoria Station. Yeah. They actually went to Victoria Station to because the Crays were coming up from London to take over their turf. You know the Crays, yeah, yeah. Mm. and they 
had shooters and everything, apparently, and, and they pushed the craze out. They actually intimidated the craze, allegedly. But this guy was saying, oh, yeah, I, I used to play football with one of the floods, and uh, Irish, Catholic, and... Uh, he was saying, I used to get into co-op as free, but what would happen? This guy, I think he was called Dougie Flood. It's fairly typical of the time. He didn't have any ego. He, he would actually be on the door. And what he really loved doing was just looking at somebody and basically, you're not coming in. You're not coming in. Why not? I, I just don't like the fucking. Yeah, yeah I don't however, it bounces now. I yeah, like that. yeah. And and then then the person would say, uh, "Can I see the manager? I, I am the manager. Can I see the owner? I am the owner. Now fuck off." <laughs> Is that kind of an era? I mean, like I said, bounces now can be like that. Well, really. Well, why am I sounding surprised? <laughs> yeah. So the area was unremarkable. There was no hassle parking, no trouble on the street. And the Mother's Club was virtually invisible, as you can see from yeah. that picture. From the, I mean, I mean, I'd say you, you, enter, you entered Mother's, very different from these kind of posh nightclubs, you know, that came in the yuppie era. I remember walking past a line of industrial garbage bins, you know, the kind of things. Uh, probably had offal in. And you, then you went up what looked like a, a fire escape. And then when you got in, it was really basic. You had a little bar, but I think it sold beer, crisps, nuts, and uh, occasionally it had this cider, you know, this scrumpy cider. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had it? You ever kind of stuff that's... Scrumpy cider. Mainly guys, but you did have chicks there, as it were. And the places I remember it, you know, you've got real big health and safety things now. The places I remember it had no windows. You know, by definition, you had a low ceiling and it was a long kind of thin rectangular setup with a bar at one end. I remember the walls were all painted black yeah, with, so with the odd rock. poster. What's that one called? Fat, no, that was venue. And you, and you had... Um, Amazing. Amazingly, there was a little football machine there, you know, table football. Yeah. <laughs> table football. Did because, I, I mean, obviously, you go on these bloody websites, yeah. you know, I remember mothers, and uh, you'll get various wanky accounts. You know, the tomato ketchup account I gave you last time, yeah. that kind of rather yeah. crass yeah. idolatry. You'll have people who've written in saying, yeah, we got there early, and... Uh, I was having a game of table football with Rod Stewart or somebody like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you, 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 what I think you've got to remember, I've mentioned this before, is when you watched bands at Mother's, it was typical of the time, it was almost reverential. One of the first gigs I ever saw at Mother's was uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, which was obviously Mark Bolan. And his sidekick, by the way, it's really Hobbit. His, his sidekick was called Stephen Peregrine too. Oh. Can you believe it? And, and, they, and they, at the time, they played acoustic and they had a bloody big rug, like an oriental rug, in the middle of the floor. And everybody sat around enjoying the vibe, cross-legged. It was me. After getting to mainly punk and metal gigs, that's very out yeah. of this world. Yeah. But, um... 
it, it's quite interesting. You could do a whole podcast on those kind of mystical Eastern influences of the time. Because if, you, if you're talking about dress code back then, if you, if you were kind of daring, you could wear a kaftan. You know what a kaftan yeah, is? Yeah, a kaftan. You could wear a kaftan. Most punters back then in mothers would be wearing loon pants. You know what loon pants yeah. are? Wow, really? Yeah. I think they're coming back loon pants. Really? Possibly. With quite big bell bottoms on? Yeah. yeah. Fashion's always a full circle. <laughs> bit wanky, but some people had headbands. Mm. That was a bit kind of out there. Flowery shirts. I remember at this T-Rex gig, they had joysticks, and you'd and be there. It was, re- it was really fun, actually. Um... And again, you had that kind of yoga, tarot, astrology vibe going on. Yeah, that was all, that was all popular. And uh, we can do more on this next time. But around the time, you had um, lots of uh, people uh, out there, Eastern mystics, who were putting these books out that people read religiously. And what, I, I wasn't into this guy, but a little bit later, I think his first book would have been around that time, you had this guy called Lobsong Rampa. I'm just giving you an insight into the time. His his name was Lobsong Rampa, and it was later discovered. I think I've got this right. He was actually a plumber from Wakefield. <laughs> oh, that's good. We did the way the chat's gone tonight. Yeah. I thought another pedophile. That's what I was doing. No, he was a plum. No, he was a plumber from Wakefield. But but how how he got around it? He he maintained he was uh, the you know ex number reincarnation of a Buddhist monk. Oh. But uh, next time we meet, I'll give you all the titles of, of, of his books. And um, again, if you want to do some research, another band, I've seen them several times, another band around the time where Quintessence, and Quintessence, uh, they played mystical Eastern music. And yeah, I saw Quintessence play at... Uh, the Hollywood Music Festival. I've got the uh, you know, bit of a poster here, and uh, this is this is what Quintessence called themselves. Because you've seen this guy uh, uh, much later in two thousand, playing at something in Ibiza. You remember? Him? I showed it to you. Oh yeah, yes. He was called Roger Ram. So Roger Ram was on flute. Sheba was on vocals. Shamu was on bass. Mabba Dev played rhythm guitar. Anyway, I love this. But you had Alan on lead guitar and Jack on drums. <laughs> Jack. Yeah. He was me. The, the big thing with um, Quintessence, they played this Easter music. They were from, they're Londoners, and uh, they're, they're, I, don't, I don't think it was a hit. It was probably number 35. They uh, had a song called We're Getting It Straight in Notting Hill Gate. We're getting it straight in Notting Hill Gate. And, and basically, they had a commune around that time. And um, let me tell you guys, I used to go down to Notting Hill Gate around that time, and it was a bloody hotbed of, of crime and, and <laughs> dope smoking and prostitution and the, and the whole thing. And I was watching uh, a documentary the other night. Did, did you watch it? It was about the Mangrove Seven. No. It was a cafe down there where, you know, where West Indians used to meet. I've been there a couple of times. And basically they were being harassed, you know, month in, month out, year in, year out by the police. And it ended up in a massive riot, a massive riot. And these guys, you know, the Mangrove Seven, ended up in the old Bailey, I think it was. It was a, and it was a cause celebre, but they were all completely exonerated. 
I'm giving you a kind of vibe of, of, of the time. But I saw loads of bands at, uh, at the Mothers Club. And why it's uh, so well known is they, they had a mixture of uh, English and, and American bands which would have been quite unusual at the time. So um, I guess they're quite shocked to hear American yeah, bands. Yeah, we, we can talk about it next time. But this is, I made a little list of bands I, I saw down there. I saw, I saw The Faces, I saw The Who. I feel like Dad's that wanky bump into it in a yeah. bar, like, oh, I've yeah. seen this, I've seen this, <laughs> yeah. I've seen this. Led Zap, Deep Purple, T-Rex. One of my favourite bands of the time, because I, what I wanted to talk to you next time, you, you had all, I mean, you probably recognise all those, but you also had these kind of B-listers who were always playing around, you know, over yeah. and over and over again, but never seemed to make it. I, mean, yeah, I bet we could get them on the podcast. They're probably working tomorrow. Well, one, but one of my favourite bands was called the Edgar Broughton Band, and they had a song called Out Demons Out. And huh. uh, they were trying to link in with the American scene where thousands of hippies actually circled the Pentagon. Yeah? Yeah. You have a Pentagon? Mm -hmm. And they all held hands and, by thought process alone, tried to levitate the Pentagon. I love it. Yeah, and they really believed it would be. Le uh, but. I'll finish on an American note because I saw Steppenwolf, who mm -hmm. I was playing the song earlier. I saw Moby Grape. I saw Country Joe and the Fish. And what I'd like to do, if we can carry on this mother's conversation, because I, th I think when you have conversations like this, is memorable gigs. And my most memorable gig at the mother's was with Canned Heat. Oh, and I bet, I bet you no. do know some Canned Heat. I'm going up right, the country. That, that's our research for the next episode. Yeah, check out Canned Heats. So I'm going to finish now, guys. Thank you very much for indulging me. Well, everyone, we're going to leave it there for now with a little tease of the Mother's Club, but we are finally there. It's almost reminiscent of the early episodes where we were covering my dad's journey on the hippie trail, and I'm sure he spent a good few episodes teasing something and taking a while just to get there. But the Mother's Club is not what I expected, so I'm excited to hear more. And I've actually done a little bit of research myself, so I'm excited to hear my dad's stories of going to this club. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I think we do have a bit of an older demographic graphic listening to this podcast so if you managed to make your way to the mother's club back in the day we would love to hear your stories of going there you know did you manage to see what at the time was an up-and-coming band who went on to go to be a global sensation as always you can get in contact using our email a pint with peter at gmail.com or if you're on twitter just use the handle at a pint with peter and as always, if you haven't already, please make sure to leave us a little review on Apple iTunes. You know, it just helps get the podcast noticed. Well, everyone, thanks for listening and on to the next one.